Hello, everyone, and welcome back to THO's podcast. Today, we have a very interesting guest with us, Viad Azimbaya. He is a THO contributor. Viad, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm thrilled, Salana. Thanks a lot. So not only are you a THO contributor, you are based in Georgia, and you are actually the founder and CEO of Lead Exchange. This is a globally-oriented, multinational leadership accelerator to empower next-generation leaders in Europe and North America. Can you just tell us a little bit more about this initiative and perhaps some of the overarching goals that you have in this program? Oh, thanks a lot. It's my pleasure. So Lead Exchange is a collaborative between uh, the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy uh, Institute for War and Peace Reporting and UN Association Georgia, three terrific and my favorite organizations. So the, uh, the mission is uh, to give uh, current and future leaders uh, better skills in negotiation, decision-making, and crisis management uh, based on the skills and um, scholarly experiences and, and, and expertise that we have at the Fletcher School. So we brought that, we established um, I am a co-founder and uh, director um, you know, with my friends, um, manage it here in Tbilisi. We have opened it uh, for the rest of the Eurasia, whatever we call here, all the way from uh, Tbilisi to Istanbul to Kiev mm-hmm. to, um, uh, to the rest of Europe and the United States. We target uh, leaders who are positioned in the policy um, uh, policy level, say deputy ministers, members of parliament, uh, and uh, we want to give them better skills. That skills that I think uh, benefits can benefit anybody from the business field to NGO to government. Um, it's going to be the second year. We founded it last year in 2019, and we had some nine countries represented, and uh, we will broaden uh, the horizon. We'll include more people and uh, let's see what impact we can make out there. Fantastic. And, you know, I, I definitely could see the, the need and the use for the training and skills that you all are developing in crises and, and situations like we find ourselves in right now with the coronavirus. So congratulations first uh, on such great work. Now, you also have coined a term, democracy. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what that means? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so by democracy, I expressed initially my passion in technology-enabling democracy. So you know there is, is, was, and will be a lot of talk on how technology has disrupted democracies, and that's right. Technology has disrupted and it will be disrupted. In fact, many of them are called disruptive technologies. So the, the way I looked at it was... Yes, uh, technology disrupts democracy, but what are the ways technology can enable democracy? And there are a ton of ways. Uh, myself, my friends uh, here uh, um, in Europe and in the United States are really trying to find ways um, to bridge uh, some of the gaps, not only in academia, but you know, um, help the policy and business uh, sectors with some of the policy recommendations that could better the state of current democracies, not in any single country, but in the broader Western, uh, Western world. So that was my passion um, to coin the term democracy and um, hope it gets heard by many. I, I toured the United States last year and had a chance to introduce it uh, in a couple 
institutions like the Fletcher School, Harvard Kennedy School at Georgetown, and uh, hope I can export it a little more. Fantastic. Well, hopefully we can get the word out even with this podcast, but I was really intrigued to hear that and can't wait to see more because that is such a critical uh, juncture of really the, the policy of the future. Uh, so uh, congratulations again. Now, I want to turn a little bit. Uh, you were a research fellow at the NATO Defense College um, in 2017, and uh, we, uh, we discussed this uh, recently, but also just so relevant today. NATO, uh, the rise of this NATO alliance, but also the impact in the Black Sea. And this is something that um, you know, really is intriguing because it's not necessarily something that uh, jumps right now because of coronavirus, but something that I think is personally very relevant because there is this continued rise of Russia in the region that regardless of a pandemic or not is something that will continue to impact NATO and of course the U.S.-Turkey relationship. So can you just tell me a little bit about um, you, you know, the Black Sea security and how NATO and the EU um, can have a sort of a shared interest in this region? Thanks a lot for the question. Yes. Um, the, the reason I wrote the paper at the NATO Defense College was uh, cost because of the relevance, right? Um, and the relevance was, you know, uh, started, uh, Black Sea has always been relevant, right? Uh, we had, unfortunately, a lot of wars just take the 20th century. Um, we had a 2008 war when Russia came with arms to Georgia. We had some clashes. We have uh, 2014, but, you know, the 2014 uh, really uh, changed the, uh, the, the way the world thought of uh, the Black Sea in the 21st century. Uh, and uh, in 2016, you know, uh, Warsaw Summit of NATO really put a lot of emphasis on, uh, on the Black Sea and uh, enhancing uh, NATO's operations in the Black Sea. That was the key reason uh, why me, myself, but also the NATO Defense College Research Department uh, got interested in the topic. You know, uh, a couple of things that we emphasized there, I did, um, and I'm grateful that it was published by the, uh, by the college. So a couple of things uh, that the paper talks about. Uh, one of is the increased relevance, and uh, something that um, that is of utmost value is NATO's um, increased engagement uh, in the region. You know, uh, there are three NATO states, member states, the biggest one in the Black Sea and leading one, leading NATO member uh, state in the Black Sea and largest shareholder of the uh, Black Sea territory is Turkey, uh, Bulgaria, Romania, but we also have two countries, which is Georgia and Ukraine, potential members uh, uh, of the alliance, and we have the, 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 the key rival, of the alliance, but also uh, of separate uh, to the separate states who are uh, who are aspiring to become NATO members. So put together, uh, uh, it makes uh, Black Sea more, more relevant. It makes Black uh, Black Sea more of a certain center point um, of relationships. It makes uh, uh, you know, the intersection of EU NATO affairs uh, in the Black Sea more important. And finally. Uh, uh, Turkey-U.S. relations, U.S.-Turkey relations um, are uh, it cannot be substituted by, 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 by anything else when it comes to Black Sea. And you know, um, when we talk about Black Sea, it's not just this small sea in the middle of nowhere, but there is a bigger connection with the Central Asia, um, what we call the bigger uh, Eurasia 
and that includes the Mediterranean. Um, and there is a lot of uh, um, energy going and, and energy economy going on. There is a lot of security. Black Sea can be uh, in two ways can disrupt Europe or can benefit Europe a lot. So the paper does not only talk about problems, but also um, uh, tries to look at opportunities, which is uh, economic opportunities that is in any pragmatic sense, in anybody's interest in the Black Sea and outside the Black Sea looking forward. Right. Now, you know, uh, the Black Sea region, obviously, as you discussed, a very significant crossroads. Can you talk to us a little bit about the significance of the Black Sea for Russia, because this is something that, uh, you know, the, the rise of Russia that we have seen in this expansion recently has been definitely a, a thorn, shall we say, in, in the side of U.S.-Turkey relations. Um, so what is the, the role of Russia in this region? Is there any at all? And if so, how is that significant as well for, for NATO? Oh, there's a lot going on, as you know, Savannah. Uh, you know, I'm taking human, talking human historically, uh, the Soviets always considered the Black Sea as their own kind of a lake, and they and, and current Russia, you know, um, they would love to rehabilitate the Soviet influence um, as much as they can, right? Uh, and um, they like everything but increased NATO engagement, right? There is a uh, there is a clash of interest by default when it comes to Russia seeing the Black Sea as its own uh, backyard, as its own kind of small waters that it can operate mm -hmm. in any way. Um, and then you will see the, uh, the NATO joint operations, port visits of, uh, of the uh, Allied ships of different sizes, um, excluding uh, um, carriers. Uh, and you will see the Turkish fleet and the uh, and the Russian fleet. There is a lot of tension going on in the uh, in the small sea. Uh, Russians also using the Black Sea uh, fleet. Uh, they delivered um, some of the crucial cargo um, and military equipment have been delivering to Syria. Right? They they use their Black Sea fleet and 20. Uh, they projected uh, for the 2020, which is this year. Um, some 151 billion increase in their fleet modernization. Um, my, my, what what we see is that is not happening the way they envisioned some nine, ten years uh, uh, ago uh, or five years um, ago. And uh, COVID-19 and the impact on the Russian economy will have a substantial right. effect uh, effect on that. And finally, um, that makes. Uh, NATO's engagement and NATO's interest, NATO has stated so, NATO sec not, not only NATO Secretary General, the, the political arm, but also the, 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 the military establishment and leaders of NATO um, have pointed out that uh, NATO has to be uh, present in terms of um, freedom of uh, uh, navigation operations, in terms of providing uh, security, uh, in terms of um, um, Counterterrorism, right? There is, you know, this is a, a mm -hmm. region uh, of massive opportunities, but also um, a lot of complicated things going on, and uh, um, there, there is a clash. And um, in any normal situation, I hope uh, there will be no military conflict, uh, which a lot depends on um, Russia's belligerence, the level of it. 
certainly, and we hope so as well. Uh, that's the last thing I think anyone would want at this time right now, and certainly in the, the uncertainty our world is facing. Now, in, in your paper, and you briefly mentioned as well in our conversation, you discussed some recommendations, and I want to focus specifically on uh, what you mentioned in terms of Turkey's increased role. So can you talk to us a little bit about the recommendations in terms of Turkey as a NATO ally and a member uh, you know, very close to it, geographically as well and what their role could be in the Black Sea? Oh, great. Uh, uh, Turkey's role cannot only be, but Turkey's role is and has been um, in historically. Uh, first off, Turkey's hope uh, for nations like Georgia, right? The Turkey is the single uh, single neighbor of Georgia, which is, uh, which is the safest uh, neighbor and which is the uh, which is the NATO member, uh, and the Turkish NATO membership is hope for Georgia to become a NATO member and to have a neighbor uh, who can help NATO uh, defend Georgia, right? Um, so this is one way uh, the the way Turkey looks from here. Uh, in terms of uh, Turkey's role in, uh, in 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 the Black Sea or in the two seas, right, Black Sea and the Mediterranean for NATO. Um, Turkey as the second largest military in the alliance uh, truly has the capability, uh, geography, and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, resources to be a crucial player in ensuring um, a, a safer Black Sea and uh, in ensuring better trade and economic relationships um, here in the region and in providing a better platform uh, for NATO in, in any dimension, I guess, to be better present, right? Uh, either Turkey's um, uh, Turkey's right. own fleet, or uh, you know, there is a crucial component in Turkey's role, which is controlling the state. Not controlling, I would not call it controlling, but ha- having exclusive, sound exclusive rights. Uh, the Montreal Convention of 1936, which is also mentioned in the report, where uh, uh, where there, there is a lot that depends on Turkey or. NATO member states when it when it comes to uh, NATO fleet uh, spending some time uh, in the Black Sea operations one way or another, especially in the wartime and in the peacetime too. Uh, so uh, there is a lot that Turkey can do, and uh, there is a lot that we hope Turkey will do. Absolutely. Well, we will definitely be continuing to watch the developments as we have over the years, and uh, I think this just solidifies the importance of the the NATO alliance, even in in spite of the challenges that it faces today, and of course, the role of Turkey and and the relationship between the U.S. and Turkey as well. So, Ziad, thank you so much for joining us today, and really great work that you are doing. Thanks a lot, Savannah. It's my honor. And I hope I can see you sometime soon physically. (laughs) Likewise. Hopefully everything will heal soon and we will welcome you back in in D.C. and in the States. And I want to remind our audience as well, to hear more podcasts and episodes like this, please visit www.turkheritage.org. You can see this podcast. You can see more of the Contributor Program and our live webinar coming up soon. So thank you and stay tuned. Have a great day.